1: Hi, I'm Wright Anderson. You're more than likely scratching your head about the title of my show today, Cheer for the Atheist. Yes, but I'm quite serious. We should all cheer and applaud the questions, challenges and even insults the enemies of God and the enemies of the Bible pile against us. Why? Because it forces each one of us to think about what we believe. It challenges us to question what we accept as truth. And the end result being we are better able to give a reason for our own faith in a mature and reasoned manner. One of the traps, one of the many traps that Christians fall into is they simply become surface readers of the Bible. And what I mean by that is they just skim across the surface when reading the Bible. They hurry across passages of Scripture just like they do when reading a Facebook post. Now, I'm not only talking about the pew warmers. I'm not only talking about lay members. I'm talking about the spiritual leaders of churches. They don't dig, nor do they ask questions regarding the context of the scripture they're reading historically and literally. They neglect to ask the who, the how, the why and the whens of the passage they read. And as a result, they remain infants, never coming to a full maturity of the text, nor of the faith. The sure result is seen today with an appalling lack of basic Bible knowledge from those in the pews to the pulpits to the seminaries and the highest positions of church office. I want you to listen to the late Christopher Hitchens, who was interviewed by a Catholic uh, uh, interviewer, and this is what he said in relation to the interview that he had.
0: This morning, the conservative guy, very nice, extremely nice fellow... On the local Fox radio, John someone. Yeah, extremely courteous. Gave me a lot of time. And I said, well, for example, you know, I say to Catholics, um, they, you, come on, you, you may say you're a Catholic, you don't really believe in the virgin birth. He said, well, I do. And I thought, because the first one I've met, the whole, it had to be this morning. <laughs> and I said, well, you, are you really saying you do? Really? He said, yes, I absolutely do. I believe in the Immaculate Conception of Jesus. And I said, no, hold on a second. The Immaculate Conception is not the same as the Virgin birth. He said, it isn't. (laughs) No, the Immaculate Conception says that Mary was conceived without sin, without any stain. Not that her son was conceived without the intervention. But bluntly, he had no idea. Didn't even know what he didn't believe. It's come to something when a Catholic on Fox TV has to be told his,
1: his, uh, his theology by me. This is just how it is, though. Catholics not knowing their own church's doctrines, but it's not restricted to Catholics. The majority in all denominations are vague on what the Bible says. That is, if they even read the Bible at all. Now, staying with Catholicism, Cardinal George Pell... At the time of the recording of this episode, George Powell had become cardinal, which meant he was in line to become pope. But he was asked a question in relation to the Ten Commandments and what he says will absolutely stagger you.
0: These kind of stories, I mean, is there a point where you distinguish between metaphor and reality? For example, Moses receiving the Ten Commandments uh, inscribed directly by God on a mountain. I'm not sure that
1: the Old Testament says that... uh... Uh, God inscribed the Ten Commandments. Uh, But leaving that aside, it's difficult. Wait a minute. The cardinal's not sure if the Ten Commandments were written by God. How can this be? A man who has dedicated his life to the service of God is not sure if God wrote the Ten Commandments or if it's recorded in the Bible. However, there are many passages in the Bible that show us very clearly that the Ten Commandments were in fact were written by God. I just want to give you one. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments commandments, he wrote them on two tablets of stone. There you are, just as simple and as plain as that. God wrote the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone, but the cardinal was not sure if the Bible said that. This is pitiful. It's just pitiful, but it reflects the sad state of biblical knowledge among the professed adherents of Jesus Christ today, even to the highest level within Christendom. Today there is a famine of principal expounders of the Word of God. It is difficult to find competent teachers, preachers, and even seminary professors who will accurately reflect what the Bible says, and the fruit of which is the most ridiculous teachings entering or being reinforced within Christianity based on asinine and fraudulent assumptions. Just one of many examples is the belief that near-death experiences reinforces the doctrine that we each have an immortal soul. Now, the immortal soul teaching is a teaching which wended its way through Christianity uh, in the 3rd and 4th centuries from the Platonic schools, the Alexandrian Platonic schools, driven by Tertullian and Augustine, and as I said, in the 3rd and 4th centuries after Christ. But the teaching is alien to the Bible, that is, we have an immortal soul. It's not found in the Bible, in the fact the Bible says that the only one who has immortality is God himself. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor, glory for ever and ever. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. The Bible says only God has immortality. We don't have it innately within us. We are mortal, which means we're subject to death. We don't have any supernatural spark within us which whisk us away in our consciousness to heaven or hell at death, as most denominations teach. Further to that, men and women simply sleep in the grave. By the way, the word cemetery in the Greek, it just means the sleeping place. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we are told that the dead are in a dreamless sleep until the second coming of Christ. Notice these words from Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5, 6, and verse 10. "'For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, "'neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten.'" Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished, neither have they any more a portion for ever in anything that is done under the sun. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whether thou goest. To put it simply, when a person dies they fall into a dreamless sleep, and that is not the end because the Bible actually says that it's at the t- the return of Jesus Christ that God's people receive receive their immortality. So let's just pause for a moment, because it says, the Bible says that when people die, they fall asleep, they go into a dreamless sleep. They don't have immortality in this life, but it's only when Jesus Christ returns that the righteous are re- rewarded with immortality. I want you to notice the words now of the Apostle Paul found in 1 Corinthians chapter. 15 and he says this behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed that word sleep there is just another word for death in the new testament in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality So the obvious conclusion from the Bible is that people sleep in the grave until the second coming of Christ and it is then that the righteous receive immortality. When it comes to these so-called new death experiences, many Christians claim that this actually proves that we have an immortal soul, a conscious part of us which separates from us at death and is either carried away to heaven or is is driven down to the pits of hell. These near-death experiences have been described by many as proof of the afterlife. Intense light, hallucinations of dead loved ones talking to them, angels and so on, and on it goes. However, medical science is alerting us to something altogether different when it comes to these supposed near-death experiences, which scientists, neurologists and surgeons says comes about due to the lack of blood and oxygen flowing to the brain after traumatic accidents, drowning, car accidents or serious life-threatening medical conditions. It is suggested that as many as one-fifth of people who survive cardiac arrest report having an otherworldly experience while being clinically dead. Now, clinically dead is very different to being brain dead. And there's a huge difference. When people are brain dead, there is no coming back. There is no resuscitation. However, people can be resuscitated after being declared clinically dead because clinical death is a medical term for cessation of blood circulation and breathing. And it only occurs when the heart stops beating in a regular rhythm, a condition called cardiac arrest, which I know that you're familiar with, but it is not brain dead. Brain dead is fatal. Typically, near-death experiences involve travelling through tunnels towards an intense light, being separated from the body, encountering long-departed loved ones or angels or undergoing some kind of judgement or life review. But many scientists believe near-death experiences are nothing more than hallucinations induced by lack of or deprivation of oxygen and blood to the brain because the heart has stopped beating due to trauma or because of a medical treatment a patient is undergoing while under anaesthesia. When people have been pulled out of the water, for example, and resuscitated, some declare that they've had hallucinations of varying descriptions, but it all stems from oxygen deprivation to the brain. Now, Dr. Ruan Jayatanga reported when studying under the renowned psychiatrist Professor Ludmina Vazkaya, she once presented a female patient who took an overdose of Valium to commit suicide. Now, this young woman narrowly escaped death, and later she told she was disconnected from her body and she met the devil. It had a large, horrific face and large horn, uh, large eyes and a horn. But Dr Jayatunga realised that her description of the devil was similar to the devilish figure that was described by Alexander Pushkin in his novel, Eugene Onegin. Unsurprisingly, she'd read the novel, and when she was under a psychologically distressing situation, she recalled the image deposited in the unconscious mind. Further to that, what part of the body does Valium target? Yes? the brain. So Valium, it actually potentially affects the neurotransmitter in the central nervous system known as the GABA, the G-A-B-A, resulting in depression of a number of brain processes. Now Valium has become very popular amongst those people seeking to get a high as a result of its depressant effects. Is it any wonder then that this young woman, when she hallucinated, she hallucinated the way she did? But none of us have to be confused about this subject if we know what the Bible says. And to that end, I would like you to suggest to you that you go to YouTube, type in my name, what happens when you die, and is heaven real. This is a presentation that I gave a little while ago, and it will give you more information on this very important subject. Furthermore, I would like to ha- have you read a series of Bible study guides. They're 25 wonderful Bible reading guides called the Orchard Faith of Jesus series and these are yours for free and all you have to do to receive them is send me an email with your name, postal address and phone number two info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au that is info at or go to our website, theorchardmelbourne.org.au go to the tab mark, contact us, follow the prompts and we will send them out to you in no time at all and it does not matter where you live. Well, sadly, our time has run out again but I look forward to being with you next time. Remember, the truth has nothing to fear from investigation. I'm Rod Anderson, goodbye for now.
0: You have been listening to Unchained. We look forward to your company here next time on 3ABN Australia Radio as we continue this series with Pastor Rod Anderson.
1: The Word in Action, John five twenty four. Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. When you read the Bible, do you really listen to what God is saying to you? And then do you actually believe in Jesus and what he can do in your life? Today, instead of just skimming over the words, actually believe in what he says he can do for you.